All right. Good morning, guys. Uh, this is second service, so uh, we've got some in the back still looking for seats. So if you got if you got some room between, I know it's a little hard because we have uh, with dedication some some space up here, but we'll figure it out. If you're in the back, we'll we'll find you a spot here. Uh, but welcome to Veritas. I'm glad you're here this morning. We're in the book of James, so let's get right after it. James chapter one, verses 22 through 25. This is. A verse, this is a book of the Bible that's for those of us that are a little simple-minded, right? James is, is keeping it simple. It's pretty black and white, not that complex. And this morning is another one of those passages. So uh, the verses are on the screen. We're in James 1, verses 22 through 25. This is God's word for us this morning. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Look at verse 22. We're going to work our way through this passage. So he begins, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So deceiving yourselves. This is a, a word that was used in the original language for like a miscalculation. You got your math wrong. It literally means to reason beside yourself. Like if we say to someone, like, your head was in the wrong place, like, you, you weren't thinking correctly, you got something wrong, you got your math wrong, uh, that, that's kind of the, the use of this word. He talks about this deception that's, that's happening in the life of a believer. This is a common deception that he wants to talk to us about. So imagine this. Imagine that you are building a super important tower, and you are the structural engineer, and everything depends on you getting this math equation right. Because he's talking about a miscalculation. So we're going to do a math illustration here. So uh, let's, let's talk about this. You got it? So you're a structural engineer. Uh, you're like, I don't, I don't know anything about math. Well, well you better get this equation right because this is simple algebra. You ready for this? You have to get this right. You're building the tower. Ready? Okay, here it is. Write this down. You got a pen, paper? Okay, you're gonna need you're gonna need to do this math equation. 3x plus 6 minus 1 equals 14. Now we're gonna don't blurt out the answer. Don't be that that guy. Okay. Uh, we're gonna work through this slowly. We have to get this problem right. This is a very important equation. They tell me math matters in everyday life. So I think engineers use math. This is probably what they do all day. Uh, so anyway, let's, let's do it. Uh, okay, we all know 3x, got to subtract the 6 from 14, get 8. 3x equals 8. Divide 8 by 3x, solve for x, 2.6666, right? Because 8 divided by 3 goes in two times, carry the 0 down, you know, uh, right? Okay, so <clears throat> that's, that's what we get uh, solving for x. All right, you want to buy a condo in this new tower that I just built? I mean, this high-rise condo building? I mean, I was a structural engineer. You feel great about it? You want to, how are you feeling? No, no, you don't want it because the tower's going to fall. Why? 
oh, I got my math wrong there. I forgot to do six. And that little minus one, actually, as it turns out, that matters. That little minus one that I forgot to factor into the equation is the difference between life and death for you living in my tower. Okay, here's what James is saying. There's a way as a Christian to get your math wrong. And if you get your math wrong, it will destroy your life totally. Your tower will fall down. And it seems like just a little part of the Christian life, but it's everything. There's a way that hearing God's word can be so dangerous. When I think of all the things that could deceive and destroy, I think of things like lust, greed, thirst for power, anger, rage. I don't often put hearing God's word on the list of very deceptive, dangerous things. But that's what James is talking about. There is a spiritual miscalculation that will ruin your life. And that is, you are a hearer of God's word, but you are a hearer only. A hearer only. You hear the, you take in sermons, you take in podcasts, you read the Bible every day, but it doesn't change your life. That is a spiritual miscalculation that will destroy you and the people around you. James is basically quoting, I think, the climax of one of Jesus' famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. You can read about it in Matthew 7, or also I'm going to quote this from Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Listen to the story Jesus tells, and I think this is what James is talking to us about. Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my word, and acts on them. He's like a man building a house who dug a deep, who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed and the destruction of that house was great. Here's the dangerous miscalculation if you're taking notes this morning. The dangerous miscalculation is hearing without obeying. Hearing without obeying I didn't know that going to church could be so dangerous. It's like, you going to church this morning? Yeah, I'm going to church, excited. Hey, be careful with that. Why? Oh man, because if you hear God's word, but it doesn't change your life, you're a dangerous person because you're a religious hypocrite. You got a PhD in Jesus, but didn't change your life. Wow, that's the most dangerous kind of person out there, isn't it? This thing we're doing, church, hearing God's word every week, it's dangerous if we don't act, if it doesn't transform us. And all of you guys have someone in your life that you can see the great towers that have fallen. Maybe, maybe you had a parent that was a religious hypocrite. 
They took you to church every week. Maybe your parent was a leader in that church. They came to church and they wanted to look the part. They wanted to, to look like your family was together. And, and uh, one of your parents may have been you know, a leader in the church, but you get home and dad's filled with anger and rage. Looks good up there, up front, when the religious stuff's happening, and then comes home and it's just greed. It's just sexual immorality. It's just anger. It's just the, God's word is not changing a life, or maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's you. And you can see the destruction of that kind of religious hypocrisy. And Jesus says, that kind of life is destruction. The destruction of that house will be great. And so the question is, so what do we do? What do we do? Because all of us are in danger of this. All of us that are here this morning hearing God's word. And he says in verse 25, but here's the hope for us, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. He says, he says there, verse 25, but, but he, he does, this doesn't have to be you, but the one who looks intently, think about those words, looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. This, this is an idea, this is a pretty strong uh, word in the original language, a forceful word that means to look carefully and cautiously into the mirror. Now, their mirrors were not like ours. They weren't uh, made of, of glass. They weren't glass, but they were metallic, like bronze, silver, gold. And so you would have to, like, you know, imagine walking by a vase or something like that, like a gold, some gold, your plate. Like you're looking into a plate or something, and then you're seeing your reflection. You can't just, like, glance at it. Like our mirrors, you see pretty clearly, but, but there's, you'd have to like look pretty intently, right? Like look into the, the metal and see your reflection. You had to stop and stare. That's, that's what James is saying. That's how we need to interact with God's word. Don't just like walk by it, but, but look intently into it, right? And so remember our, think about our culture. I don't think we're good at looking at anything intently. We're not good at this. We look quickly, not intently. Like we're the scrolling generation. We're the, the culture of doom scrolling, right? Just taking in vast amounts of information and just letting it wash through us. We don't stop on Instagram posts very long. We just scroll through, be real. You guys, you guys know the drill, right? Just like moving quickly. Like that's the opposite of what James is talking about here. James says, if that's how you do God's word, like you just breeze through it, like you're, you're speed reading, got to get through it, got to get through God's word. I know I'm supposed to be hearing the word, so I just breeze through it. Turn it up to 2.0, right? Just, just like I got to get my devotions done, speed read through it. James is saying we got to slow down and we, we need to not just consume it like we do social media Meditation is the opposite of doom scrolling, where you're just spending excessive amounts of time reading large quantities of negative news online. This is the opposite of that. 
This is slowing down, meditating. That's the word, meditating, slowing down, staring into what he calls the perfect law that gives freedom. It's not like the negative news that you read. This is different. When you compare yourself to all those other men and women who have super happy lives, are living their best life online, the word of God is the opposite. It's not gonna lead you to covet. It's gonna lead you to contentment and peace. When you take the time to meditate on God's word, you know how to meditate? That's a pretty spiritual word, right? Churchy word. Maybe some of you guys even have some ideas of like Eastern religion, like we're doing yoga or something like, you know, to to meditate, you gotta, no. Here's the thing. Meditation, you know how to do this. Let me prove that you know how to meditate. Do any of you guys know how to worry? Anyone know how to worry? Any of you know how to be anxious about something? That's meditation. You're just meditating on the wrong thing, right? You're meditating on your problems, right? That, that's, that's meditation. What, what we do with, with this kind of meditation that James is talking about, we, re, we just, instead of folk, you know, meditating on the problem, we meditate on the promise. We meditate on God's word. We look into the word and we just let it kind of just, mm, think about it. Think about it. Going to bed, I just think about God's promise, God's word. And it leads us to peace, perfect peace. And the goal when we do this is not to just get through the Bible. It's got to get through the Bible. The point is to get the Bible through us to get it in us and through us and just to take the time to hear the voice of God in the, in the text, in the scripture. So what's the solution? Don't be a hearer only. Sweet, then I won't be a hearer. <laughs> That's not the solution, right? I won't be in danger of this if I just ignore God's word completely. I don't wanna hear it. Stop coming to church. Then I don't have to worry about this. no. That's like, uh, I just, the solution to my bad looks and junk all over my face and in my teeth and bad hair is just to never look in the mirror again. And I solve all my problems, right? No, I still have all my problems. The, The point is not don't look in the mirror anymore. It's like, hey, Mark, take the time to look. You got some stuff in your teeth. And when I see stuff in my teeth, you don't just like, oh, I'll deal with that later, right? Plaque build up in my teeth. I'll just like deal with that another time. No, right? You get to work. You're like looking intently. You, that's what we do with God's word. So here's the point. And we need the word, right? Romans 10, 17 says that that's how we get saved is the word. We need to hear the word. John 17, 17, Jesus says, that's how we become more like Jesus. We hear the word. So we got to have the word. So here's what we do. James is saying, verse 25, but Look intently, so here it is, the point. Look intent, point number one, look intently and act quickly. That's how we get our math right. We slow down, right? We take our time and we, we look intently and we act quickly. I wanna show you what this looks like in my life. Because some of you like hear this thing like spending time with the Lord and that sounds so spiritual and I don't know what to do. I read the Bible, I don't understand it. And 
Okay, so every year I give the same sermon in January. It's a motivational speech where I try to get us as a church to read through the Bible. Every year I give this speech, and it's the master of the restart speech, right? You guys have heard me talk about this if you've been around. Master of the restart. Okay, so here's what it looks like in my life, master of the restart. So I have this Bible reading plan. I've done this before. You guys know what this is. So on my phone, I got my Bible app, and I've got some people, family members that I read it with. Okay, so here, I'm on day, this is, I think, Thursday, October 19th. Uh, as an example, or actually, this is, this is October 20th. I'm here day 293 uh, in the year. And so I'm in Isaiah, and uh, I get these check, checks. Like, doesn't that feel good when you get all the checks? And then when I check all the boxes, it, like, gives me a little bling. Like, you read your Bible today. You're a good Christian. And for me, it's like, and you won't get fired. Great. Because uh, I have to do this. So, uh, so here I am, and some of you are like a little bothered right now because you're noticing, you're noticing some check marks that aren't there. Day 289, missed that day. What was happening that day? I don't know. I just missed my Bible reading. So, uh, or maybe I got through two of them, but I didn't get to the full check mark. So this day, I'm reading Isaiah 65, 66. So next one, I'm reading. So you can click to the next one. So I come across Isaiah 66, 18. Knowing their works and their thoughts, I have come to gather all nations and languages. They will come and see my glory. Now, when I'm speed reading, I, that means nothing to me. And even now you're like, oh, cool, it's great. Uh, but, but I was trying to read intently. And, and I'm looking and I stopped there. And you know this whole action thing here and being a doer? Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking like, Doing means like repenting of some big sin. And so if you've been following Jesus for a little while, you've kind of cleaned up some of the big stuff in your life, like you're not killing anybody, and you're not committing adultery and stuff like that. Like, you know, you're like, I don't have any big sins to repent of, so I'm pretty good. No, we always got, there's always doing. There's always action we need to do. And for me, you know what the action was? The action was, I've been a little stressed about what's going on in the world. You know, grocery prices are up. Like, I've got a family to feed. Like, we're watching our budget get tighter and tighter, and we're feeling the weight of that. Gas prices are going up. You know, elections, come, all the things, war in Ukraine, war in Israel, all this stuff going on. And, you know, I'm a little anxious. I don't know if any of you can identify with that, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling it. And I come to Isaiah 66. And this prophet Isaiah is telling me something. Hey, Mark. All the nations are going to come and they're going to see the glory of God. I just stop there. I don't even know if I'm going to get the rest of my boxes checked because I got to stop here. And you know what my action is? Like, it's not, I, I'm, you know, maybe I should be volunteering at the soup kitchen. Maybe I should, like, there's all this stuff I need to be doing. But my action was I need to change my thinking about something. And so I just acted quickly and I said, God, I trust you with all that's happening out there that I can't control. And I trust you with my life today. Thank you, Jesus, that you are in control and sovereign over history. And I can trust you in Jesus' name, amen. And now I'm at peace 
and I can carry on. And I've been changed by the word of God. That's what it means to, now, to look intently and act quickly. Now, sometimes you do have some pretty big stuff that you got to deal with, right? There's some anger. There's some conflict. You've wounded someone with your words. You're in a fight with somebody. You've had 20 years of anger towards somebody. And you've got something obvious that you need to act on. That's true. Sometimes it, it looks like changing your thinking. and like, that's, You got it? That's what God's word does. And, and, and then he says the second thing. You look intently into this perfect law that gives freedom, and then you persevere in it. You persevere. I love that he says this because isn't it your experience in following Jesus that whatever you start doing, you end up, you stop doing it eventually. Like you have all these good intentions to like, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to read through the Bible. And so you think, I'm going to go back. I stopped reading the Bible at day 16. I said, you know, I'm going to go back to day one. I'm going back to Genesis one and I'm going to, rest- I'm going to start over. That's not, don't do that. Don't do that. To persevere in it, is, it means you just start over today where you're at. So here's the point. Persevere by mastering the restart. It's been like three weeks since I've said this to you guys, so I need to say it again. Persevere in mastering the restart because we all, whatever we start doing, we end up, we stop doing it. And so the key to the Christian life is you just got, you just got to get good at restarting. Right? You just start over and just start over where you're at. Like I missed the checkbox on day 289. I'm, you know, and it's day two, 293 or whatever. I'm not going back. Don't try to go back. For those of you who are perfectionists and you want to get an A plus with Jesus, just forget about it. Don't do it. Perfectionism will ruin your life and your faith and everything. Like God's grace is enough for you. He's like, yeah, don't, don't worry about that. So what you need to get good at is you start over and you start where you're at and you just take the next step. So you haven't read the Bible in 20 years. Start on day, day 290. That's your new day one. And you just restart where you're at. Heard the story of a guy in his 60s, ran a marathon. That's amazing, right? This, this, this person is fit, in shape, 60, going to run a marathon, going to qualify for Boston Marathon, Chicago, whatever. It's like a very athletic 60-something. And and runs, runs this marathon, and guess what happens? Hits a wall at mile 20. Hits a wall. Some of you guys can understand this. You've run marathons before. I can understand this because I've never run a marathon, and I can imagine hitting a wall at mile 20. And he did. He did. And uh, what does he do? Like, he, this has been training, all this stuff. What does he do at mile 20? Just shuts down. Can't go on. Can't carry on. So he is, goes, he's like, I, I'm, I'm determined to finish this race and I've just stopped. I can't go on. So you know what he does? He goes back to the start and he's like, starts trying to run again. No, he doesn't do that. That's stupid. Nobody does that. You know what he does? He starts taking the next step and starts limping. And some hours later, crosses the finish line. I'm like, 
That's what the Christian life feels like to me. Like I hit a wall at mile 20. I'm like laying down on the ground like I can't do it. And then some brother or sister in Christ is like, hey, what are you doing? Come on. Let's keep going. I'm like, okay. I get up and I start limping and I just take the next step. And I think I'm going to cross the finish line, like limping over the finish line. That's the Christian life. We just keep going. That's what, that's what persevere is. You just restart. You keep going. Some of you have put down your Bible, and today is a great day to pick it back up. And you don't have to do Bible penance. You don't have to make up for any lost time. God is so happy to meet with you where you're at. He's going to change your life with his word. So he says, he ends with, he doesn't want us to be forgetful, but a doer who works. And then what he says, this person, this person will be blessed in what he does. If you want in on the blessing of following Jesus, the blessing comes from the obedience. The blessing comes from the action. The Christian life is not rocket science. It's not even as complex as that simple algebra equation. You don't have to be smart to be a Christian. You don't have to be good at math because here's the math equation. You ready for it? Hearing plus obeying equals the good life. And I just spit on everyone in the front row. Everyone, anyone can get in on this. Anyone can get in on the good life. Now, I want to stop here and encourage. I want to talk to, I want to, talk to you. And I'm, I'm going to talk to two groups of people. Okay? Now, these are two extremes of people. And all of us are you know, on either extreme or in the spectrum. Okay, group number one that I want to talk to. You are the people who have a PhD in Jesus. You have studied theology. You know all about hermeneutics and eschatology. You know a few Greek words. And you, you have Bible commentaries, like you understand N.T. Wright's new perspective on Paul and substitutionary atonement. You can have that debate about end times and you know everything that's going on in Israel and who's right, who's right. You know, you, you know like, you know, how many days till Jesus comes back and all that stuff. Like, you're an expert. You are an expert in Jesus and all things church and kingdom. And you know what? I just have to let you in on a little secret. Um... When you show up to connection group, everyone in the group's like, dang, they showed up tonight. Because <laughs> you're like, because you, you love to, I mean, the news is like, you're going to be talking for like 15 minutes. And as soon as you start, everyone's like, oh, great, here we go. Just like, do I, just love is patient, love is kind, right? Um, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about a, just an imaginary person, right? Um, and if you know I'm talking to you, then I'm talking to you. But what I'm saying is, you like being a Jesus know-it-all. It, it, the Christian life is not just this academic, like you have to be smart. Let's turn this into uh, just uh, information, right? 
The point is not just more information. The point is transformation. That's what James is talking about. So PhD in Jesus, people. James is talking to you and he's saying, you've way overcomplicated this. Like it's about being changed by the person of Jesus. And knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And maybe you just need to hear, you know what? I need to, I've way overcomplicated this. And, and I just need to repent of my spiritual pride and hypocrisy. Right? Okay. Next group of people that I want to talk to. You are like, I'm more on this side of things. Simple-minded. Right? One of my favorite verses in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. That's Mark's theme verse, right? And, and uh, you're, you're the kind of person that's like, you, you didn't do great on standardized tests, right? When you're reading, like you forget what you read and you're at the end of the page and you're like, yeah, I don't know what I just read. And so you stopped reading like 50 years ago. <laughs> you're like, yeah, that's just, I don't do that. I don't read it. And, and so I want to talk to you. Or maybe you're a baby Christian and the Bible just seems so intimidating to you. I, I want to encourage you that the math for following Jesus is so simple. Anybody can read and enjoy and take in the precious promises of God. The perfect law that gives freedom is for you. You don't have to read vast amounts of Bible. You can just take a verse, a truth, and you can write it down. You can screenshot it. Do whatever you need to do. Push play. I can, I can listen to it. I can even slow it down and have the reader read slower to me. And I'll have to get through three chapters. I can get through a few verses if that's, if that's you. But the Bible is accessible for you. And let me explain it this way. How did you learn how to ride a bike? Think about your own experience. Following Jesus, it's kind of like learning how to ride a bike. It's simple, right? We all know how we learned how to ride a bike. Duh, it's obvious, right? Your parents took you to a class where they sat you down in a room with 40 chairs facing forward, fluorescent lights, drop ceiling, one teacher teaching you as a four-year-old how to ride a bike, right? And they taught you Sir Isaac Newton's laws of motion that describe the relationship between an object and the forces acting on it and its responses to these forces. Like you learned at a young age that an object will remain in motion until a force is applied and the force on the object is proportional to its mass times its change in speed. That's how you learn how to ride a bike, right? No! No, if you were like me, you know how you learn how to ride a bike? I'm like riding this big wheel around. You know, remember, do they sell big wheels? It's like a souped up tricycle, you know? This thing's like a low rider tricycle on the ground. And I'm watching my brother and his friends jump the curbs with their bikes. And I'm like, I can't jump curbs with my big wheel. And so I'm like, I want to ride a bright bike. So my brother Steven and all his buddies, you know, they grabbed me. They took me to the highest point of the neighborhood. They stuck me on a bike without training wheels. And this is like the late 70s, early 80s. So there's no helmet, no knee pads, no elbow pads, no wrist guards. They threw me on that bike. 
my brother and his friend, Jay Couch and Kurt Huey, and they push me down the hill. And the, I'm sitting there on the bike and I'm not going to fall because I'm going so fast. And I'm flying down. It's just like the pedals are going. So I just stick my feet on the pedals and I'm like, I rode a bike. <laughs> so I learned. All right. And I knew how to ride a bike at a very young age. But here's the point. Here's the point. I learned how to ride a bike long before I knew why I could ride that bike. And some of you are baby Christians and you can know how to follow Jesus before you understand all the theology and Herman, what what is that word? And Eska, what? I, I don't know. You don't need to know. Those things are important and people need to care about that and I should and I do. But just enjoy your life with Jesus. Because there's some people that sat in that classroom at age four and they never got out and they never rode a bike and they got a PhD in Jesus, but they've never understood the thrill of jumping curbs, of life with him. The Christian life is so simple, church. You hear God's word and you just act and you follow Jesus. Let's pray together. I want to end this with a question. What's the simple step of obedience that you need to take this morning? What's the simple step of obedience that you're going to take? Like you're going to walk out those doors and something in your life is going to change. Something that in your mind, there's, there's thoughts, ideas that are going to change because you came to church this morning. There's something that when you go home, something that's going to change and be different. Jesus Christ, make us a church built on the rock of Christ, the people who hear and obey. In Jesus' name.